0: Foils and ghouls, it's time to gather round us, horrifying Hunter, petrified Preston, and devish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of
1: tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kiddies, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our eighth tome of season two with For Crying Out Loud, an episode all about the joys of listening to Meatloaf. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co hosts Joining me, like always, is the man with a plan. Someone who's always got something to say course i'm talking about petrified preston what's going on preston how are you man
2: I, I certainly do always have something to say that's that is safe to say i'm well man i hope you guys are doing good excited to be back at it we got a fun episode to talk about today and hey a pretty good comic as well yeah pretty
1: pretty solid stuff all around first of yeah. all i hope you had a a, a good thanksgiving
2: season oh, just about when this goes up Good. Well, same to you guys. It was really fantastic. I don't know, well, I don't know. I don't know what I enjoyed more, the you know, the family, the food or or just the damn downtime. Like that was so refreshing. It's been an incredibly oh, yeah. incredibly busy fall, so that was super nice just to have a few days to do like nothing. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And last time we recorded, uh, uh, Devilish Dan mentioned that he was going to see an early release of a movie for Thanksgiving called Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Uh, All three of us have seen it, but we'll talk about that in just a second. But what's going on, Devilish Dan? Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, I had four days off, and it was the most stressful four days of my life. Uh, amongst other things, I got to try and teach 2 7 70-year-olds how to use a Roku as nice. they're trying to <laughs> nice. replace their cable that costs $280 a month. Hey, And guess what? That was the most fun part of my four days off. So that tells you how oh, the rest boy. of it
1: went. It's never too late to learn how to use a Roku or other piece of technology, Dan. Just
0: Especially when neither of you are too good mentally so it's it's a hell of a thing
1: well there you go well on a positive note um like i said we did all get to go see the thanksgiving slasher join and Mm -hmm. the only reason i'm bringing that up is because we talked about it not not too long ago one of the last episodes we recorded i think it was when we were doing the sacrifice so uh, we all got a chance to see it and that's a fun little movie if you happen to miss it over the holiday season, there's still time. Go check it out. It's still it's still Thanksgiving enough. It will be December, but that's fine. Go check it out. It's a fun little time.
0: Yeah, it's a hell of a good time. It's not, again, as campy as that trailer from Grindhouse. Grindhouse what am I, Canadian? Grindhouse <laughs> would have implied <laughs> that it is. But it is still a lot of fun and a real throwback to those 90s slashers
2: we all love. Oh, man. It, you know, th- that's what the big takeaway is, right? Feels like late 90s, early 2000s. I'm sitting here right beside my collectible poster that I got from the theater. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Dan, what a cool experience for you to kind of get to to see it early. And uh, yeah, what a, what a fun movie that was.
0: Yeah, the those crowds at those pre-screenings are not always the best, but this one was pretty lively. Still some uh, you know, some people that talked a bit more than they should have yeah. and had some commentary, but that's what you get when you get to go see it for free and early.
1: True. You guys said it wasn't as goofy or campy as the trailer and like, yeah, maybe I could have done with a little bit more of that aesthetic, but I didn't watch any of the trailers going in. I just kind of saw like some of the teasers that were floating around the poster and I was like, "Oh, all right, they're they're doing kind of like this serious thing and then it took me a solid 10 minutes for the mm-hmm. very mild spoiler when the riot happens towards the beginning <laughs> of the movie. I was like, "Oh, Oh, oh, no, this is going to be a goofy movie. This is OK. All right. I'm on board with the tone. And that really cemented it for me. But it never really quite reaches that goofy tone again. Like that's
0: almost as goofy as it gets. Like no one gets stabbed in the vag on a trampoline like in the original
2: trailer. That they- oh, at least we did get to see the trampoline. Right. And yeah. I will I will also say, like, I, I just love this so much because it is for me. I mean, and it sounds like possibly for you guys as well. Like This is going to be a staple in my thanksgiving season like i will literally watch this probably every single year um and that's awesome it's like it's like the thanksgiving equivalent of my bloody valentine to be honest it really kind of eh, similar vibes a little goofier but but yeah it's it's similar in that vein or yeah i valentine. could even true true
1: I was going to say, like, you could totally fit it in where if you are one of those folks that watch John Carpenter's Halloween on October 31st. Oh, yeah. You transition into your November on November 1st with Thanksgiving and make it happen pretty good. I think
2: that in planes, trains and automobiles. What, what more do you need?
1: Look, that's Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. That's what it's all about for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Aired on May 29th of 1990. We are talking about for crying out loud. Preston. We've got to come visit you over at the House of Horror.
2: Let's check it out, shall we? Oh, man, let's open up Shock Suspense Stories number 15. Boys, we're going back to June of 1954. And frankly, I'm gonna keep this fairly short and sweet because that's really exactly what this story is, man. To the point you're in and out. And uh it's really efficient storytelling on this one. And I gotta say, I really actually liked this one. Um, really unique storyline that I kind of figured out as it went, not the absolute final reveal per se, but I, I kind of got where it was going as we as we uh, read along. And I will say, I do recommend, if at all possible, um, because this is a popular episode and, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but I do recommend maybe reading this first because as we'll get into... Boy, the episode is a hell of a lot different than the you know original story that it was based on. So I think that kind of helped me a little bit reading it first and then getting into the show. Um, and, and we'll talk about why in a little bit. But uh, man, you know my man, he he had some mental health issues going on our lead in this uh, episode as well as this story. Um, yeah, and legal issues as well, right? I mean, he was all over the place. Pretty dark installment and really right from the get-go. I mean, the opening frame of this, you're like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. So again, as I kind of mentioned, it didn't overstay its welcome, but a nice, just efficient little story. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? Given the amount of kind of internal dialogue that this story has, that can sometimes get a little tricky, you know, especially on the page. But I found this to be, You know, really digestible overall, and uh, I know as of late we've kind of had you know some take them or leave them, couple hits, couple misses, but I say check this one out um, for crying out loud! Yeah, this was this was a pretty cool one. Yeah, this one's pretty good. Um, The twist in
0: the episode uh, versus the comic i think it works a lot better uh it's it falls kind of flat especially if you watch the episode first you're like oh that's the twist in the comic that's kind mm-hmm. of strange but the one thing i picked up on i think is the art in this one it's very kind of confining and has a certain kineticness kinetic it does to it like it, it's a it, good term yeah yeah you kind of feel some movement and and panic within
1: the uh the frames like the, the art was really well done yeah, definitely. I think this is definitely one of the ones where I'm going to say, go check it out. And as always, if you're a big fan of the episode, you should go check it out anyways. Or if you're a Hars from the Vault super fan, you should be reading along with us anyways, because we want you to put in just as much effort as we do. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I think that this was a nice change of pace because it is nice to actually recommend a story. At this point, where for the most part, yes, I'm going to say the episode is a better interpretation of this story. I I would say it just it's it's much better told within the television format. That said, the comic has enough to stand on its own two feet. And I think that's nice.
2: Oh, yeah. Check it out.
1: Nice. Well, Dan, you know, I've got to check in with you because we need to talk about the top billing of this episode. Who's all involved in this joint?
0: Oh, man. You know what? We've gone a couple of weeks where it's been kind of a struggle on who to talk about and what to say about them. But, man, do we have some folks to talk about this week? Let's get the uh, the easy ones out of the way first. So writers, Jeffrey Price, Peter S. Seaman. Uh, Jeffrey is mostly known as a writer, but he also directed this episode. And they both work together on things such as Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Wild Wild West, and the seasonally appropriate live-action version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. If we want to go to the actual stars, we're going to start right up top of the man we see for most of the episode, Lee Ehrenberg as Marty Slash. He's best known as Pintel, the hetero life mate of Reggetti in the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, and pretty much all of the Pirates content going forward. He's yeah. been in a ton of it. Yeah, he's he's great. And that kind of steals the show. If Depp wasn't in it, um, yeah, those two would be, you know, the the most notable people.
2: Dan, a- apologies very quickly. When I, like, he was one of those guys that when I saw him in this episode, I'm like, OK, I know that guy like I know that guy and it it did not click. It did not click. And I had to visit his IMDb page. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, it was such a like a cool kind of realization when I when I saw that, because I love him in those movies. And he's obviously really good in this.
1: Preston, he- that actually surprises me because he almost... He looks the same. He's still grungy
2: and he has like eye bags and
1: everything like that. I mean, the most surprising part is that, you know, exactly 10 years later, I guess you don't you don't look too crazily different within 10 years. But he's uh, he's he's playing the same sort of scumbag here and minus (laughs) the long hair and obviously the really greasy olive oil eyes and everything that's going on in the Pirates franchise. He's totally the same
2: guy. It was so the eyes like kind of the darkness around him, like that. I'm like, where the hell do I know this guy from? And yeah, you're you're exactly right.
0: He has the most notable eyes i think of any actor you just see him and like they they don't look like they're quite part of the same head and face as the the rest of his features but yeah like they, they just stand out and they're very expressive but we'll get more into that once we start talking about the episode uh but you might also know him from playing mike in seinfeld he's the guy that mistakenly thinks that jerry's trying to kill him and he was in one episode of lois and clark with the former tales star terry hatcher also in the cast, Katie Seagal, Mrs. Kalbasi, Very clever. Yes, yes. Very funny uh, for making a, a wiener joke here. <laughs> um. You might know her from three very big and long-running TV roles, Uh, Gemma Teller in 92 episodes of Sons of Anarchy, Leela in 134 episodes of Futurama, and, of course, the lower-class queen of the house, Peg Bundy, in 260 episodes of Married with Children. Man, Um, 260.
2: 260.
1: God. Yeah,
0: incredible. Um, But you guys uh, know her from playing Pat in
1: Smart House with former star Kevin (laughs) Kilner. That's Isn't it right. crazy, that connection between last uh, last week's episode and this week's? Ah, yep. Sweet, sweet satisfaction out
0: <laughs> of this. So if those two folks weren't enough to talk about, you know that we have a stacked episode when they are the two least interesting performers to mention. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Iggy Pop as Iggy Pop. He is an acclaimed punk performer and the founder of the Stooges. Uh, Legend has it, he was one of the first people to do the stage dive, uh, and he famously frequently collaborated with friend David Bowie. Uh, As far as his film work goes, he worked with Jim Jaramouche in Coffee and Cigarettes and the Dead Don't Die. Coffee and Cigarettes, very good. Dead Don't Die, pretty bad see one don't see the other uh lots of big indie work in the early and mid 90s he was belvedere and crybaby salvatore and dead man rat face and tank girl and he was initially sent to play fun boy in the original crow movie but instead he played curve the crew in the crow city of angels after he had to pass on the initial role hunter
1: you got something to say about iggy pop right of course i do i mean what what can you say about Iggy Pop besides he's basically the punk rock uh, I mean he's kind of he's the stalwart right like he's he's stuck around for all these years he's the Ozzy Osbourne of the punk rock scene truly yeah
0: he is the godfather of punk and there's a reason he was in this episode playing the punk rocker
1: yeah for sure it is a Mm. fun catch though because you're just kind of like oh you don't quite expect it to happen because like you could have had any sort of generic hard rock band and it would have been fine but it adds just a little bit of this authenticity to the episode where you're like this is cool I'm glad they went above and beyond and I don't know if that's like due to the Sam Kinnison connection, uh, who we'll talk about in just a second. <laughs> yeah. He was involved in like the LA rock scene. And I'm just wondering if like, th- there's a lot of things about this episode I want to talk about. It's, it's appreciation of rock and roll history that I think it gets, like all of it lines up historically, which I thought was very interesting. Anyways, I'm rambling now. We'll talk about all that. But Iggy Pop, uh, go he's got more than The Passenger. Go, go listen to something else.
0: Yeah, Iggy fucking Pop. Also, Sam fucking Kinnison. Can we talk about Sam Kinnison as Marty's conscience? He is a legendary comedian and larger than life, just general personality, died way too soon. Uh, he was unfortunately killed at the age of 38 by a drunk driver, which is ironic since he was a well known abuser of alcohol and other mind altering substances, but by all reports, was stone sober the night of the accident. Uh, Interestingly enough, he was also a former Pentecostal preacher that later worked uh, a lot of anti-religious themes into his comedy. Uh, As far as film work goes, uh, he played Professor Turgidson in Back to School. He also played an angel in two episodes of Married with Children with, uh, guess who? Katie Segal, who we already talked about. You know what? His stuff's really good. It's also really dark and very in your face. So it may not be for everyone. But um, yeah, you should probably go check out some Sam Kinnison joints on
1: Spotify or YouTube or whatever you got. I mean, and you should you should go watch his moments um, as a recovering uh, soldier from Vietnam and uh, Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School. It's one <laughs> of the truly great, iconic comedy bits of our time.
2: It, yeah. And I just love like how much fun he has uh with this with this role, with just this voice role. And and obviously we'll we'll highlight him when we get to the episode. But yeah, you can tell he is having a good time, that's for sure. He was also
0: uh legendarily very good friends with Howard Stern. I know I've mentioned Howard Stern a bunch so far, but um yeah, he's he was oh, okay. on a, a lot of episodes uh with him. So I'm sure some of that stuff's on YouTube. Um good good appearances. That's my my list, unless you got anybody.
1: Uh, No, let's just talk about Sam Ginnison's fat hog for a couple minutes.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Show me that hog, boy. I want to see
0: that fat hog.
1: Before we can dive into the episode, we've got to talk about that Crypt Keeper segment, and we talked a little bit about Glam Metal earlier, and here he is, the man of the hour, Crypt Keeper, in this Vince Neil, David Lee Roth, blonde get-up, He's playing this funky little guitar, which is like a Les Paul, but it's got a Kramer ESP banana peel headstock. It's silly. It's goofy. He makes a joke about fingering, holding actual fingers, which he throws to rats. It's a good little bit. I don't like that wig on him. I don't like how it looks.
0: It looks wrong.
2: Oh dude, I, I think the crypt keeper's trying to like steal the damn show with this one. I friggin' love this one. <laughs>
1: It's so fun. Like anything, I'm going to be honest, I am a sucker for rock and roll excess and even just rock and roll in general as the aesthetic of things. So this episode was always one that I went back to a lot uh, whenever I wanted to watch Tales from the Crypt. And we'll see if that influences my rating a little bit later, viewing it underneath the, uh, the critical lens of Horrors from the Vault. But all that to say... I am down for for rock and roll Keeper. He's goofy and look, I hear what you're saying about the wig, but that's the whole point, man. He's supposed to be weird.
0: Yeah, I guess. He looks I like don't Iggy
1: know. Pop. He does look like right? Iggy. He looks like a,
0: a pretty lady version of Iggy Pop that has died. That's right.
1: television terror the episode itself sex drugs shitty promoters it's what rock and roll is all about but before (laughs) we can get into that rock and roll we meet our main character marty and he's already on death row and in true tales from the crypt fashion there's a little bit of a twist he is absolutely ecstatic to get fried. It's a complete departure from the man who was deaf, which was the first episode of the series. He's running down. He's getting himself strapped in. And after Marty becomes that hot new attraction, we zoom in on his ear and we pump this story into rewind. It's two years prior and Marty is at the ear doctor getting himself checked out. The doctor believes that due to being in the rock business, Marty's got some sort of tinnitus. But Mart, he's like, no, man, I am hearing some sort of muffled voice. Something is going on here. Huh? I wonder if that's going to get brought Hmm. up in some sort of meaningful, significant (laughs) way a little bit later on. But anyways, he spends 200 bucks, gets a little bit of salve and some earplugs, and he's sent on his way.
2: Hunter, I'm so sorry to interrupt here, but I just have to say, like, Man, even though this guy's like kind of a dick, I totally feel his pain with this whole experience because I had a similar one last year um, yeah. where, so I was not hearing things, but I had like literal ear pain and knock on wood, it has since just kind of went away. But I mean, this went on for months and I finally get an appointment. I go in, do all these damn you know expensive tests, all this shit, just to have the doctor come in and be like, "Welp." Um, we don't really know what it is, but just keep an eye on it. And, and I totally felt his pain when he's like, "All oh, this shit for $200, you know, what the hell? I mean, that was the epitome of my visit to the ear doctor. So you know what? I, I, I understand. There's
0: nothing worse than the doctor going, well, just keep an eye on it. And I'm like, well, that's what I was doing and it didn't get better. That's why I came here. But yeah copay here we come yeah the thing i like about this in particular is this is uh and this is one of the big departures from the comic is this is showing that he has a conscious bugging him before anything has really happened and the comic it just kind of starts once you know once the inciting incident happens but this is showing that oh he's got some guilt already building because he knows what
1: he's gonna do yeah that's a good point yeah very good point i didn't even think about that and i did do the math for you fine folks at home in 1990 presuming (laughs) this is a contemporary tale that's being told here um 200 bucks that has the same buying power as 483 dollars today so my man you know marty he's he's a scumbag as are most tales from the crypt characters but I, I didn't want to spend $483 for some Q-tip, some <laughs> some ointment, and some earplugs. What the fuck? My Q-tip's going to come back to bite him, too. <laughs> oh, Iggy Pop, he's kicking ass in the way he knows how. Fucking trees and fucking air, dude. <laughs> um, Marty takes the stage, and he lets the audience know that their support means the world to him and to the Amazon native that he brings out oh, on stage God. to accept that. Big ass check for $1 million. That boy's name is Chief Kaboobie, by the way.
2: (laughs) Oh. oh.
1: What's not to love about a charity benefit concert with someone running off with all the money? It's a tale as old as time. Come on. It's. marty he goes off stage he pays off his fake amazon chief i love the little exchange between him where it's just you know this new york new jersey actor yeah. that is dressed up as what chief Kaboobie. was that it, Dan? <laughs> chief, chief
2: <Kabubi>. Yes. <laughs> he's just telling
1: movies guys
2: he's just he's just like get get out of here go just come on come on yeah. I'm trying, to, trying to kick him out finally that
1: that sweet, sweet voice finally comes through. And by sweet I actually mean <laughs> the word shrill because it's Sam Kinnison doing his don't tax that money. And we find out that this is uh, his his own personal Pinocchio. Let your conscience be your guide. Uh, Marty's got a conscience <laughs> and it's Mr. Sam K here. Oh, boy. Yeah, he comes in
0: like a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball, just screaming in <laughs> his head off, doing what he's known
1: best for. And I love that he's like, I've been trying for 38 years to get through to you, and this is the first time I've been able to do it. By the way, he glued a
0: dog's eyes closed, and that sounds like the first time the conscience tried to get to him. Glued a do- dog's eyes oh, closed. come on. He's lovable, but what a fucking scumbag.
2: Yeah, completely agreed. Yeah, that's true, and and I mean, you know, Kennison doing this voice, I mean, you really get a sense of like, you know, I don't know how to put it really, because we see the we see it just build and build and build throughout the episode until we reach a boiling point. But man, you almost like can almost understand how and why he goes just as insane as he does. Hell, listen to that voice forever. That yeah, I, oh, I yeah, I get it.
1: I uh I like to poke around on the internet and just kind of get a general impression on how people feel about certain episodes. It doesn't affect at all how I feel on it, but I'm just kind of like yeah. what how do people feel about this? And you know, for there's been a handful of podcasts that we mentioned that have done tales from the crypt rewatches. There are triple if not more as many like blog sites that have done mm-hmm. uh write-ups on each one of these episodes and one of the I, unfortunately I forget your URL. I'm so sorry if you uh, are listening in the very off chance you're listening to this but regardless um one of them was like this episode's really fun but it gave me auditory sensory issues and for those <laughs> reasons i'm giving it a low rating and i'm like yeah okay you know i'm <laughs> gonna make fun of you but oh all right fine right I mean, like, yeah, yeah yeah
2: well so, and not that i would uh, at all which we'll get to you know rate right it low because of this but but not only that but oh my god like i don't do well apparently i didn't really know this but i apparently don't do well with like ear stuff and boy do we get some of that and oh, Ooh, that's okay mm, I, you know a lot of people have stuff with like eyes and to be yeah, honest eyes, with you that's that's never sure. really bothered me but oh my god the ear oh i didn't like that mine's teeth like
0: when
1: people oh. start getting like
0: teeth pulled or something on tv yeah. or in a movie yeah that's what drives me nuts Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's it, teeth is a huge thing. Teeth completely weird me out. I'm 100% not into that. Eye trauma, ears, ears can get me there too. And I do, unfortunately, I have gone to, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I uh, I am definitely more mindful of my hearing now, but. Local shows, playing guitars, everything like oh, that. Man, I do yeah. have a very light tinnitus, um, but it's not bad. My hearing is actually excellent, but I do have a slight ringing. So this this was relatable for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, yeah. Playing in uh, punk clubs in uh, downtown Cleveland. Oh, I for didn't a even think years. about that. Yeah. And, and marching band in both high school and college oh, as God. well as basketball band. Yeah. My my ringing's constant. And at nighttime, it's, it's rough sometimes.
1: But, yeah. Wow.
0: You get used to it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not very loud. But once I realized what was going on, as soon as I became a responsible 28 year old man, I was like, look, I need to invest in them eargasms. I got to I got to make sure <laughs> something's plucked in the and you know what? I'm all the better for it. Uh, thanks, Pangolin. You made me care. All right. Anyways marty he's packing away that money into a suitcase and then you were talking about sam's voice just a second ago uh, i think he's like but this is a felony and it's just <laughs> the way that that line's delivered that that comes right through and marty he's not he's not worried about it he's got a little bit of a uh maybe i shouldn't do that there's little moments where you think He's going to maybe do something good. But he's too far gone at this point. 38 years, his lifestyle's set. It's been a miserable life, and he's gonna get his. This is where my uh
0: my quote of the week comes in, which is I know you have ambitions, Marty, but I don't think they uh they include being gay raped by the entire ah fuck. <laughs> 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 Try to do a Sam Kinison in person. It's not even an in person. You really can't reading it <laughs> at a certain pace. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know you have ambitions, Marty, but I don't think they include being gang raped by the entire Airy Nation's weightlifting club. Oh, oh!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: too bad. It is what it is. Oh, so good. While all this is happening, a cop shows up looking for our man, Marty. And there's right after that a knock on the. I mean, I'm sure you never heard a knock like that, but I, that's the knock <laughs> you're getting outside the straw club. <laughs> you know what they call me chipmunk hunter um but you know what it's not that cop instead it's uh the mrs seagal saying hey i'm looking for the man who saved the amazon uh and then this is where i I think the little voice of sam kennison's like are you buying this (laughs) great so so good she comes in like a hot flame and tries to seduce marty really laying it on thick laying down all the moves and he's he's into it he's like what's going on here and the conscious is like hey don't 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 be paying attention to this these rock broads you don't know what they got there's numerous rock songs about why you don't mess with groupies but here he is he's all over it and then we get our trademark almost like out of a 90s rom-com romantic reveal where she <laughs> she pulls off her wig and puts on her glasses and it's a whole new woman and it's actually her bank is banker
0: <laughs> he, he knows who she is but he couldn't recognize her with a blonde wig and some glasses like Clark Kent
2: yeah right? exactly hey she she uh pulls off the rocker uh pretty well i will give good. her credit
1: she doesn't pull it off as good as uh the goth fran drescher uh <laughs> from, from the nanny i'm sure you've seen oh, god her. She's yeah. uh, incredible, um, but yes, yeah, so she she does she does do it pretty well.
0: This is also where he starts getting those eyes going as she's you know coming onto him and caressing him. Those those weird eyes start rolling <laughs> around. I'd love to
1: see it. It's it's the combination of the eyes and the very exaggerated purple, uh, just just eyelid, I guess that that he's got going on. He's got those very raccoon. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks like a pirate is what what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Or a rock promoter, it's the same.
0: <laughs> he honestly moves like a cartoon. Like his expressions are very cartoon like and Oh I know, yeah. I yeah. I think it's brilliant.
1: We didn't bring it up earlier, but that moment when he's going to the resurrection chair and he or the resurrection. <laughs> 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 he's going, I'm thinking about Jesus again. When he's running to the electric chair. And his, like, <laughs> face pops out like Porky Pig or Daffy Duck out from behind those cops because he's so excited to find oh, yeah. to get this yeah. voice out of his head. Um, he's just like, he's, he's very go. animated. Yeah. yeah I, it's so good.
0: I love the term resurrection chair, by the way. <laughs> That's You're
1: getting resurrected to go see our Lord oh. and Savior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Kilbaser, is it Killbaser or Killbaser? I can't remember. Read it as Killbasa, Killbasa. Oh, that's right. That's right. You said so earlier. The dick Ms. reference. Miss Kilbasa, <laughs> she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna need half of this loot. You're trying to skip town. I I do your finances. I know what's going on. And if you don't hand over half of it, you're in deep shit." And Marty, he's listening to his conscience. And he, he presumptively agrees to this deal and tells her to just count out her side of the cash and then everything, and we'll get out of here. And his conscience is going nuts at this point. She's sitting there. She's counting the cash, and Marty... He closes those curtains overlooking the rock club floor. Iggy Pop's still doing his thing. Everybody's having a great time out there. (laughs) And then he delivers the line that uh, Pete Townsend of The Who gave him this Gibson Les Paul. And uh, in the Pete Townsend style manner, smashes her over the head with it. And I love the episode cover art for this one. Or the, the Tales from the Crypt, like tome art. That's for this episode with him having the guitar and about to go smash. It's it's really great. But I do like that he's doing the classic Pete over the head guitar smash. Uh, but here it's used to actually kill this woman. I just wish it was a little bit more grisly. I understand this is more of a comedic episode. It's more of a dark humor episode. But I, I wish we could have got a little bit more you know, uh, some of that SFX uh, magic that Tales from the Crypt has done before, but hey, it's still a fun moment. That's fair, but you do get that great shot of
0: the silhouette through, through the curtains from mm-hmm. the, the actual club portion of the rock
1: club. Yeah, that's good. I just want to see some smash in action. Yeah. Some gore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because even the, you get the, you get to see her very briefly laying on the desk next to the cash and she looks pretty unharmed. I don't remember seeing anything like catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, I did write this down. So uh, the Les Paul is one of Pete Townsend's uh, primary guitars. He used that a lot with the Who. I want to say that was from 1969 to 1978. That was his primary. That actually replaced his Gibson SG that he used for several years prior to that. Um, The famous guitar that he threw out at Woodstock 69. Fun fact. Oh, geez. More you know.
2: That's a fun fact. Yeah. Look at look at you. Here for you guys. Wonder if it hit somebody on the head really hard. <laughs> like a radkey with a mic stand. That's right. Um
1: <laughs> his conscience is getting angrier. Marty's stuffing Mrs. Kilbasser into the drum carrier. <laughs> and then here's that motherfucking cop neighbors are being neighbors apparently they're not aware that they're working next to a rock club because they say it is much too loud and you know what they could get the fuck over it because why would you buy property right next to the rock (laughs) club if it is already an established rock club i don't get it. it neighbors are weird but anyways the cops are there marty's getting nervous And I love the little Freudian slip. He's like where I killed my banker, which is an incredible.
2: Yes. (laughs) And
1: the way that the cop is just like, what? And then he's able to play it off. He has been, you can tell he has been a, uh, a rock star negotiator for so long that he can just (laughs) pull anything out of his ass. I mean, hell. And that, that really goes to show his character in general. He's faked this whole benefit concert and really nobody except this cop, kind of has a clue of course there's going to be some loose ends but he almost pulls it off and it's it's pretty much said that he would have pulled it off if he didn't Mm -hmm. get it his own way it's a goddamn conscience i tell you that's Uh, right when he's i think
0: it's when he's shoving her into the drum case. Is when my other not quite line, but delivery of the night uh, happens, and it's when Sam Kinnison does that that little <laughs> laugh that he does into the, the the line. Are you fucking nuts? It's just like a. Are you fucking nuts? It's, it's so good, so good. All right.
1: marty i think around here he's got that dialogue where he's talking about do you know the fucking work that i've put in they say no red m&ms and he like lists off like all of these like rock star diva traits that have happened over you know the famous club stories and everything like that it's it's a fun little moment and that's kind of what i said earlier where this episode has a lot of appreciation for the rock and roll culture and its history and i just i always appreciate that i am a sucker for anything involving music um especially of this era so uh you know anything that that can tie those two passions of mine together gets a little bit of a boost up here
2: you know i feel like this is probably a good time also to note you know we talked about the story earlier and i mentioned how different it was from this episode even though kind of like you said hunter i do agree that the episode itself kind of tells the story a little bit better um as you could probably you know ascertain because it takes this was in the 50s when the comic was written, it has absolutely nothing to do with music, a promoter, obviously rock and roll. Um, but I just think that's funny how they completely took what was on the page and kind of shaped it into this because it could not be more of a different situation.
0: Yeah, the comics literally just a uh, like a a, a scumbag, uh, like a like I, a business guy <laughs> kind of. Well, even like a con. I think he's a con man, and sure, the lady knows about him and threatens to, yeah, to you know, out him. But
2: he's like a money embezzler. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But that's that's the that's about where the differences stop. Where hey, he's got to kill this lady because she knows too much.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we all agree, though, that the just the the changing of that aesthetic and putting it underneath this background does elevate the source material though right oh absolutely oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure uh i forgot to mention that it's implied that marty's conscience Pulls out his earplug and hits the police officer with it. <laughs> oh my god! Shoots
2: it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He turns yeah. around like, "What the hell?" And he's like, "Sorry, I was. What do you say? I was trying to throw it in the trash or something." Yeah. I mean,
1: what are you supposed to do in that situation? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm all
0: sorry, right. officer. The con- my conscience threw an earplug at you out of my ear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's the cop he, he does make eye contact with the drum it's got a it's got a name yeah. Yeah, the, the cop takes a look at that and he heads out and marty this is where he goes nuts he's like we need to deal with this conscious situation before <laughs> i get out of here and i love the goofiness you brought up dan uh you brought up the cartoon nature and this is where he goes full slapstick full mm-hmm. daffy duck trying oh, to yeah. get that conscious quieted um he he starts putting that that solve in his ear um he's breaking those gigantic q-tips in his ear and then he looks over and makes eye contact with a pencil and the conscious Whoa. is just egging him on this whole time, where he's like, You got to go deeper than that to get him out. Preston, this is what you were talking about earlier with ear trauma.
2: This oh, is dude. where
1: it definitely gets super intense, especially when you start thinking about that sharpened pencil oh going in
2: his ear. And just the excessive spinning of the Q tips that seem to be like 10 inches long. You know, it's just like, Oh my God. Him shooting the. The, the 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 liquid whatever it is into his ear and oh my gosh and then of course yes when he goes for the pencils it's like no my god no
0: i love when he pours the liquid into his ear kinnison's like oh that's 98 percent alcohol and it gets yeah, him yes. drunk that's he's
2: hilarious. like let's party yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> it is so much fun this is also where
0: the physical acting of him takes it up to an even higher notch because from here on out he is sweating he is clammy yeah. looking he has veins popping out of his head which you can't fake like that's he's he's forcing himself you know to actually have an aneurysm just trying to get this episode on you know in the can and, and do a good job Yeah, he the darkness
2: right around it. his eyes like also so emphasized yeah
0: i hundred percent buy that you know this guy's actually going through some trauma right now
1: yeah <laughs> Um, Marty, after who knows how long is like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. We got to get out of here. I've got a plane to catch. You got to hustle. You got to bustle. You got to get out of here. Marty, he starts moshing his way through the crowd. He's into it. He's shoving his way through. He's not really into it. He's having a fucking mental breakdown, like Dan just said. But this is where his conscience comes in and really plants that final little seed of, hey, man. I think everybody else can hear me too. Now (laughs) they can, they can hear this voice as well. And that same cop, he's hanging around and everybody is staring at Marty and Marty's freaking out. He's like, Oh my God, they actually can hear this voice. What is going on? And I love when he shoves, uh, well, actually, he he ramps up the volume even further to the cop's dismay. So, you know, the club is just absolutely banging at this point. The concert goers are absolutely loving it. Let's see how you guys will be feeling. And that's why this episode is sponsored by Eargasm Earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but they are great. Save your hearing. Anyways. Marty shoves his head inside one of the concert venue speakers, to and like a final last ditch effort to get this voice to calm down. And Sam, his conscience just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. Finally, he reaches his breaking point, and the cops, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna pull the noise." And then Marty finally snaps and goes, "I killed my banker." Finally, letting it loose. <laughs> Oops. By the
0: way, Iggy, Iggy pop and his band are playing the same song that they started playing before any of this happened. So they've been playing this for approximately 20 minutes, which is, I think, the longest punk song ever created.
1: <laughs> it's uh look, he's a genre bending artist. He's always pushed himself to extremes, his body to extremes. So um, I have no doubt that they worked hard on this 20 minute magnum opus. Like Rush, Rush tried to do that. Nobody likes 2112. Uh, But this Iggy Pop, Unnamed Ballad, (laughs) everybody loves it. It's a jam. Uh, Marty's conscience finally having broke through. He says, hey, doesn't it feel good to get off your chest? And then he's also like, hey, they couldn't hear me at all. It was actually this gnarly, broken, bloody ass Q-tip that was in your ear, disturbing the peace and causing everyone to think you're a fucking freak. Which is Final. Oh, ahead,
0: dude. I was going to say it's it's weird but a better twist than the comic which was that he she had some scrapes on his face from the yeah. woman
1: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of boring. I mean, like the Q-tip ending makes way more sense for this type of episode, obviously. Um but yeah, it Is there a different way they could have done this? Sure. I don't really know what it is. This is a fun way to get one final little punchline in while also, I guess, kind of tying it all together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I
0: also, I I enjoyed the, the clever ways they had to, you know, distract people from realizing the fact that they're only only shooting him from one side of his head the whole time because i didn't realize that the first time and it's kind of fun to watch on you know subsequent views like oh i
1: see what they did yeah they're only shooting him from the one side because it would ruin the twist if they showed him from the other you're totally right and i think a lazier production would have done exactly that we they would have just shot him head on running around the whole time and then at the very end yeah. if they would have inserted in his ear i'm, I'm glad yeah. that they they had that attention to detail to pull that off there yeah that's true all right well we're skipping ahead two years we're back where we started because marty uh death as a horse fly is that a saying it is now uh marty he he can't fucking hear shit uh, but he is so ready because he has been tormented for the last two years by his conscience who has not let go yeah. And it's the only voice he can hear uh inside of his head. And that is why he so gleefully approaches the resurrection chair, right, Dan? The, the resurrection, resurrection chair, yeah. the electric chair at the beginning of this episode.
0: But not bef- not before eating his final meal of uh from what I can tell, surf and turf, a beer, roll, potato, and orange beer bacon and some sort of dessert maybe a pie i couldn't quite tell but I it is quite a meal but i don't think yeah. he
2: ate any of it
0: no because he I, had to sit there and listen to the same uh, Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> i was I, that made me raise the question like damn, what, what did they give you a beer during your last meal i have no idea if that's a thing i mean you're I just gonna shit it out anyway thing. so oh, yeah fair who needs
1: lobster we- when you can finally get this annoying ass voice out of your head
2: after
1: <laughs> like two years of being pestered by it? So, 40 if he hit 40, and then he's like, Look, I would rather be electrocuted to death than yeah. <laughs> live with myself anymore. You know,
0: what, you know what I just realized? You're right. Because he said 38 years trying to get through them earlier, which ironically enough is when Sam Kinnison died. 38. Yep. Oh. Hmm. Weird. which was
1: i think less than 2 years after this episode as well. Wow. wow. Yeah. But yep, yeah, we have our closing cryptkeeper moment. He makes a terrible joke about being <laughs> a headbanger where he slams a guitar that that weird guitar that 80s banana peel headstock Gibson um on top of a skull. And he's still being just as weird as ever. Uh in, in Dan's favorite ensemble, that little blonde wig. One final good look at him, full body too, Dan.
0: I yeah, well, full body. I have to question how they did this. I I the way I think they did it, from what I could tell, is it was a puppeteer holding or wear, wearing the Crypt Keeper on his head and or back because his arms have to be the puppeteer's arms. So I was trying to figure out where the puppeteer's body was in <laughs> in relation to the rest of the Crypt Keeper. So I think it was just a puppeteer running around with the Crypt Keeper as a hat for, you know, however many hours it hmm. took for him to get this shot.
1: Well, he is a he is a dirty little Yoda man. So I can't imagine, you know, he's hefty. But he's not too much. You could probably wear him as a hat. <laughs> I was looking at the hands in the beginning of this episode when he's mm-hmm. doing like the strumming on the guitar, and that makes the the fingering joke that we made earlier. Um, it almost looks like somebody is wearing cryptkeeper gloves because mm-hmm. they seem kind of large. I don't know if they're proportionate. Um, you can tell this is the the stuff we don't research when we're doing horrors from the vault. I prefer to view the cryptkeeper. Like any sort of Muppet or Henson creation, yeah. uh, they just are. I don't put too much thought into the how, even if I know deep down, just like those other critters, uh, it's actually a very impressive piece of, of uh, really just movie magic to make the whole thing run together. That's
2: what I was thinking, man. That's just it's just magic how they make it all work. So, oh yeah, let's just uh, take it for what it is. That's cool.
0: I prefer thinking about Keeper Hat.
1: well dan put on your cryptkeeper hat because it's time to pay our last respects why don't you go ahead and hit us with your final thoughts and your severed thumb ranking for for crying out loud
0: this one i'm I'm so tempted to give it a full five, but I, I don't know if I can, because like you said earlier, there isn't much in the way of special effects besides the Crypt Keeper. It would have been a five had we seen like a little bit of gore, or anything like that. But the performances, the chemistry that the two leads have with each other, even though Sam Kinison probably wasn't even on the set, he probably did ADR afterwards. Um uh just fantastic between the two comedy gold uh and potentially uh i'm gonna say a nomination for our uh, best performance of the season when we do our wrap-up uh and it might be between the two leads who knows but uh i'm gonna give it four and a half severed thumbs up can't quite give it the full five magilla
1: Wow. All right. Well, Dan, I got good news for you because I am also joining you right at 4.5. I oh, think so. there's just a little something that could have elevated it a little bit further. I don't think this episode is on the same level as far as cutting cards, which Preston, I know, is another huge favorite of yours. Oh, man. Um, yeah it's It's just not quite on that same level, and it's not like uh one of my favorite episodes from episode or excuse me from season one, so four point five is still very high though because once again I'm a sucker for the rock and roll element of it. I think that's incredibly fun, and I think it does a lot of things where it earns its setting and it uses it in a fun and creative way. I think that the performances are wonderful. I do wish that there was, like I said, just a little bit of that extra X factor, whether that's an effect or a little bit of gore or whatever, that that could have bumped this one up just just a tad for me to make it that perfect score. But still, very highly recommended and one of the most enjoyable episodes we've done for Horrors from the Vault so far. Mm -hmm.
2: Nice. I like both you guys' assessments. Really good, man. I mean, at the end of the day... Who doesn't love a story about a CD rock promoter, right? I mean, come on, especially with the performance we're given. You know, we talked about how on screen it really elevated what was already a pretty cool, unique story um, on the page. I'm going to go slightly, ever so slightly below you guys on this one. I'm going to go a solid, well, better than solid, four severed thumbs out of five. This was a really good episode. And um it's going to kind of i think set in motion a string of a couple really good episodes so yeah excited excited for what's to come as well but this was this was great fun
0: fingers crossed because we had to go through some fairly bad ones but hopefully this is the turning of the worm, worm. what he said <laughs> it's it's a weird phrase but it's a phrase
2: it's <laughs> the turn same. that turn that little bastard over
0: turn that
1: worm All right, folks, we do want to thank you for joining us here at Horrors from the Vault. If this was your first episode, boy, we got some other good ones. You should go check those out, too. Uh, This is this is a fun one. But you know what? There's even more funner ones. Go check them out. I promise you'll love it. Anyways, Devilish Dan, thanks for Mm. being here tonight, my friend always man and if you want more funner things to
0: follow on the internet <laughs> <laughs> on the internet you should check us out at horror vault pod on all the socials you know Instagram blue sky Twitter threads all that good stuff um, and you can also email us directly at horror vault pod at gmail.com if you want to follow me directly you can follow at red right Dan on all those same socials or Daniel P. Sims on letterbox so we're doing all kinds of of holiday watching coming up in the next few weeks. Lots of Christmas horror, lots of Christmas Christmas without the horror. Check it out.
1: Awesome, awesome. petrified Preston. Same for you. Thanks for being here and where can the folks keep up with you?
2: Hey, oh, lovely time, gents. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um yeah, man, keep up with me over at my home on Letterboxd at Preston 967. You can find me very much into my uh Christmas viewings, if you will. So, yeah, see all the weird stuff I'm logging over there. A lot of, a lot of like random Christmas specials here lately, which have been a lot of fun. Um, Again, that's at Preston967. I am technically on Twitter still as well under the same username. You can find me on Facebook under Preston Green. I'm kind of all over the place.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is on Letterboxd. You can find me at discount Vincent Bryce there. And you can also find me at the same handle on Instagram. More importantly, uh, once again, go check out the Hards from the vault social media channels. Dan just plugged all those. So throw it in reverse if you got to go hit it from the back. If you got to go back and (laughs) get that information. Um, You can also hear me on Grim Grinning Host. We're coming back to do our year-end wrap-up episodes. Uh, Me and the boys here, we are going to do our physical media episode. However, with the holidays fast approaching and just... Sadly, running out of time, we will be doing that towards January where we're going to recap some of our favorite releases of the year, which will also kind of tie in because our favorite releases aren't necessarily our favorite movies of the current year, but it still could be full of stuff that we watch for the first time or, heck, it could be new releases. You'll hear more about that later on. But anyways, Grim Grinning Hosts for all things theme park and pop culture. Finally, Catacombs from... Halloween Horror Nights, go check that out. We'll be doing our HHN 32 finale review. That'll be uh, in time for Christmas. Uh and then I did almost forget Disorder Every Disney Film. We just covered The Nightmare Before Christmas because hey, it, you know, it was October and now it's November and it's almost December. So, go check it out. Nightmare Before Christmas. You've seen it probably. If you haven't, what the fuck? Anyways, thank you so much for listening to Horrors from the Vault. I've been Horrifying Hunter, and for Petrified Preston, Devilish Dan, the Crypt Keeper, um, uh, goth Fran Drescher, a weird <laughs> baggy eye man. Uh, this has been Horrors from the Vault. let sl- mm-hmm. that thing.